0: You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. If you, by the way, are, uh, have a smartphone or device and you have the Riverside app, I invite you to pull that up right now. We're going to take a moment and we're going to uh, take a survey. As I said earlier, we are all different. We are all different, and um, so we're going to find out, well, really, how different are we? If you don't have the app, that's fine. You can participate, too, but we have a survey on the app, and so if you have that, pull up the live event, hit the Pittsburgh Mills uh, event, and you'll find in there the notes to the message, scriptures. You can make notes there to hold on for the future for yourself. And uh, we try to make that as user-friendly as possible. So uh, it's there for you. And uh, we're going to do a little poll here this morning to get started just to just to see how different we really are. So the first question on the poll here, and if you don't have an app, I'll ask you to raise your hands. I prefer mornings or I prefer evenings. If you're, and you have to pick one or the other. If you're a morning person, hit morning. If you're a night person or an evening person, hit evening. And uh, if you don't have an app, I'm gonna ask you, how many of you are morning people? All right, how many of you are evening people? Whoa, okay, so hit that and vote. And uh, right now we have a slightly more, 54% are morning and 46%. I should have brought my reading glasses up here. All right, so um, next question. How do we get back to that? Next question. Okay, I'm, be careful how you answer this. I am an offensive driver or a defensive driver? Hmm, Pastor David made these questions, so if you don't like them, get mad at him. So, (laughs) offensive, if you are sort of a proactive, you're gonna get where you need to go and you're gonna, you know, pass more people on the highway than have people pass you. Maybe that's a way of thinking about it, right? If, if, you, if you keep track of how many people pass you versus how many, then you are definitely an offensive driver. So um, go ahead. Uh, offensive or defensive driver. How many of you are offensive drivers like me? All right. How many of you are defensive drivers? Vote on that. Uh, oh, More are defensive drivers. We're thankful for you folks. <laughs> All right. So um, let's see. Next is, oh, this is easy. Vanilla or chocolate? How many vanilla people? That's why it's the most popular, right? That's the best. How many of you are chocolate people? Oh, man. All right. More chocolate than vanilla. I thought I was in the majority. All right, well, let's see. I have to go all the way back to the beginning each time. All right, let's go back to, um, oh, Do you usually show up early or late? You know what, I think I can guess. (laughs) All right, go ahead and vote. How many are late? You come in a little bit late? Fashionably, fashionably late, right? How many are early birds? Well, you guys are the nine o'clock crowd, so yeah. I guarantee you at 11 o'clock it'll be the opposite. (laughs) All right, so then we go to, what's next on the list here? Um, All right, Uh, optimistic or pessimistic, is the glass half full or is it half empty? Go ahead and take your vote on that. Um, How many of you are tending to be more half full, optimistic? How many of you say, "Uh, I hate to admit it, but I'm a little more pessimistic? All right, 56 to 44 on that one. And uh, let's see, a few more here. Um, introvert or extrovert? Man, I'm a borderline on that. Um, actually, when I do, those, when I do the, the personality profiles, I'm an introvert. All right, vote on that, introvert, extrovert. Wow, 80% introverts. Interesting, isn't it? <clears throat> Moving down. Um, you know what um, how about saver or spender how many of you are savers spenders hmm hmm it's time for an FPU class alright Fifty four. well 52-48 pretty even alright now if you're, mar- if you're a saver and you're married to a spender, or if you're a, uh, a spender and you're married to a saver, this sermon series is for you. Okay. Are you an indoors or an outdoors person? If you had the preference. I know in the winter we're all indoor people, but let's say in the summertime. Are you more of an outdoors or indoor person? Vote on that one. How many indoor people? How many outdoor people? Oh, wasn't yesterday just glorious? Amen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the next one is... Are we having fun yet? All right, two more. Um, Okay, aisle seat or window seat when you travel? Aisle seat or window seat when you travel? Um, In the plane, that is, okay? Well, I guess a bus could be the same, right? So... um, Aisle seat people, how many aisle seat people? How many window seat people? See people with weak bladders like me, we got to be in the aisle, man. (laughs) Is that TMI, is that too much information? Sorry. (laughs) Things you wish you didn't know about Pastor Bill. I like long sermons or I like short sermons? <laughs> vote, I want to see your vote. One person said long sermons and that was me. <laughs> nah, it was 80-20, I know. All right, so I'll try to please you this morning. And we're not going to count that first 15 minutes right there. We're going to start now, start the clock now. So, um, thinking a little more seriously now, it was back in 1991, I believe, when a man in Los Angeles was pulled over by the police after trying to run from them, and he was pulled out, and he was beaten by the police. It was captured on videotape. The police were arrested. A year later, they were all, um, uh, what do you call, acquitted, because of that, and because of the acquittal, Los Angeles just caught on fire. And uh, other cities, Rodney King was the person. And uh, when the riots were going on, and, the, and, all, and, and not just L.A., it spread to other cities, uh, Rodney King made the statement, the famous statement, you've heard it before. He got on national television, and he made this plea, or he was interviewed, and he made this question, can't we all just get along? Right? You remember that? Can't we all just get along? And that, when you ever hear that phrase, in my mind, those of us that are old enough to remember that, I think of Rodney King and those horrible events that took place back in 1992. Well, folks, this is 23 years later. Can't we all just get along? And the obvious answer to that question is what? No, we can't. We can't get along. People just can't get along. Conflict is pervasive. It's everywhere. And it's heartbreaking, but let me just put a little twist on that for a second. Imagine how boring life would be without conflict, right? I mean, think about it. Can you imagine a political campaign where opponents talked up each other instead of talked down each other? Can you imagine if there were no crime, if there were no wars, if there was no need for policemen, no need for armies, what would that be like? I mean, it'd be like heaven, yes. And that is the picture, isn't it? But, but, but imagine television without conflict. How much television could you watch? I mean, if there was no CSI, if there was no Mad Men, if there was no Fox News or, or MSNBC, I mean, if there was no Survivor or Amazing Race or no Hell's Kitchen or Top Chef, no NASCAR, no hockey, no football, can you imagine? Television would be 24-7 Golf Channel (laughs) or Antiques Roadshow. Actually, if you, if you are a golf watcher, there was even a conflict on the golf course this week between two golfers that almost got to cuffs. It was crazy. Conflict is unavoidable, folks. Conflict is a part of life. Here we have a quick video. There's a lot of scriptures about conflict. Our Nexus leadership team is away on retreat this weekend, praying and planning for a, an awesome uh, uh, schedule and experience for our junior high and senior high students. But before they took off this week, we had them read some scriptures for you. So let's go ahead and listen to what they have to say. Live in harmony with God. Do not be proud. Do not be I have a serious concern to bring up with you, my friends. Using the authority of Jesus our master, I'll put it as urgently as I can. You have to get along with each other. You have to learn to be considerate. One another, cultivating a life in common. There should be no division in the body. Its parts should have equal concern for each other. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God created you. Be gentle and ready to forgive never hold grudges. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Try to get along. ...each other, brothers and sisters, we will be judged. So most of those scriptures come from Paul's epistles. There are a couple there in James. But let me ask you the question, how do you think the person who penned most of those admonitions did with conflict? You think he would do pretty well, wouldn't you? But I'm here to say, even Paul couldn't adhere to those words that he wrote all the time. If you have your Bible, turn to... Uh, the book of Acts, chapter 15. Acts, chapter 15. And um, you would find in much of Paul's writings, he is writing to, dis- to uh, dissolve conflict or to uh, address issues in the church. And they were somewhat confrontational, even in his letters that he was writing. But here in chapter 15, we see Paul and his, his uh, uh, colleague, his, his, his mission's partner, Barnabas, Uh, At the beginning of the chapter, they are sent to Jerusalem. They were evangelizing the Greek-speaking people, the Gentiles. The church was born uh, among the, the Jews in Jerusalem, so it had its roots there culturally. It was still a Jewish cult or a Jewish sect or a part of Judaism. I don't mean to say it was cultic, but it was a part of the Jewish faith. And so many of the Christians had already been circumcised, they'd done the Jewish thing, they thought that this was part of being a Christian, was you had to be Jewish to be Christian, but then the Gentiles, who weren't a part of that culture, were coming to Christ. They are finding, uh, and we're going to talk more about this one in one later sermon, so I don't want to go too deep in that. So Paul, Paul and Barnabas were sent to uh, fight together side by side against the Judaizers in Jerusalem and really help the, the Greeks to be accepted by the mainstream uh, core of Christianity out of, out of Jerusalem. But then right in the middle of that chapter, toward the end of it, in verse 36, we see this. It says, after some time... So here's Paul and Barnabas at the beginning of the chapter fighting together for a different cause... But here it is after some time it says Paul said to Barnabas let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of God the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and he wanted to take along John Mark but Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Notice what it says. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with them, sailed for Cyprus, Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled throughout Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches there. These two mature, brilliant committed Christ followers, with a deep friendship, and I'll tell you a little more of the backstory to that in just a minute, but they were partners in missions. These two guys could not avoid a conflict that broke their relationship. And I have to ask the question, if these two couldn't keep together without conflict, is it not surprising for us that we have conflict with people, and sometimes it's with the people that are closest to us? So, Paul was a, well, let's talk about this. Why do we cause, what causes conflicts? Well, several things here in your notes, but, but the first one is simply this. We all have different perspectives, Right? We see things differently. We all have two eyes, and they are your two eyes. They are not your spouse's two eyes. They are not your boss's two eyes. They are not your employee's two eyes. They are your two eyes. They see from a perspective. A perspective is a vantage point, and it is a point from one place, and that is your perspective. A point of view is a point from one vantage point. And Paul and Barnabas were very different. If you know their backstory... Paul came to Christ largely because of Barnabas. Barnabas was one of those early followers in the church in Acts, whenever the Holy Spirit was poured out, and it talks about how everybody shared everything. Barnabas was mentioned by name. His name was Joseph, but he was also called Barnabas because it means son of encouragement. And Barnabas was the kind of guy that would give the shirt off his back to anybody. He was the kind of guy that sold a plot of land and and that he owned and gave it, took the money that he gained from that and he distributed it to the others. Barnabas helped set the culture in Jerusalem of a church that was generous, that was loving, that was kind, that was gracious. And because of him, it caused people to be attracted to that early group of people. Paul, on the other hand, was killing Christians. He was the one that set the tone against Christians in Jerusalem because he was a Jew. He wasn't converted at that point. And what he did was he gave the approval for Stephen to be martyred. And he was sent to Damascus to do the same there to the Christians that were growing in Damascus and Syria. And on the way, you know the story, God struck him down with a bright light. Paul was blinded by the light. He heard the voice of Jesus speaking to him, saying that he's doing the wrong thing. And who was sent to help Paul find his way into Christianity? It was Barnabas. Barnabas was the one that welcomed Paul when no other Christian wanted to welcome him. He was the one that went to him and said, Barnabas, you know what? Uh, I'm going to vouch for you to the others. I believe your conversion is sincere. You're not doing this undercover uh, spy operation by trying to get in and find out who's the lead. You know, they all suspected that he was not sincere. Barnabas believed him. Barnabas took him under his wing and helped to disciple him. Fourteen years later, they're worshiping in the same church in Antioch, and the church there sent them out to reach the Gentiles, and they went on their mission trip together, Paul and Barnabas, side by side. Barnabas bringing Paul alongside with him, and Barnabas was bringing along his younger cousin, Mark. Mark was a young guy. Mark was mentioned in uh, the Gospels as that, that boy that was observing the arrest of Jesus and fled in the darkness, and Mark was, 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 was going on this trip with them, but somehow they just got so far into their trip and it was their first time, Mark's probably first time away from home, he's out there on this trip, whatever happens, he gets homesick, he, he basically fails and he leaves them and goes back home. Well, Paul thought that was, that was a failure and, and uh, didn't like that. So when they decided to go on their second missionary journey, Barnabas... By the way, on that first missionary journey, by the end of it, Paul was leading because of Paul's strong, driving, leadership, lion personality. Barnabas was the otter personality or the, or the, uh, 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 the golden retriever kind of personality. And, uh, and so Paul sort of works his way to driving and leading. He was just a born, natural lion leader. So when it comes time that Barnabas says, hey, let's go out again. I want to take Mark. Paul said, absolutely no way. He's not good enough. Their disagreement became so sharp, they went their separate ways. Paul took Silas, Barnabas took Mark, and they went their separate ways. So that's the backstory to this. I said all that to say this, that Paul and Barnabas had different perspectives, right? They had different personality types, they had different leadership styles, and eventually that leadership style cla- their leadership styles clashed with one another. How many of you have had a leadership-style clash with others in your workplace? All right? One wanted to be more gracious, another wanted to be more, more uh, you know, follow the rules, you got to put up or shut up, you got to do it or get out. And the other is, hey, let's give them time to learn, it's time to grow. So we have those different personalities, and uh, in any leadership team, you're going to have those differences. So different perspectives is one way. We miscommunicate all the time. That's another reason for our differences, right? Message sent is not message received hey, is that a new dress? Meaning, that looks nice on you. Received, are you mad at me for buying another dress? (laughs) Right? Message sent, message received, not the same thing. I've never had that happen. That was a hypothetical situation, by the way. (laughs) Uh, You know where we have a lot of miscommunications? I think it's in our emails and digital communication, right? Right? those posts that we, that we make, and we might mean it one way, but it might be received another way, especially if you try to be humorous or sarcastic, and the sarcasm doesn't come through, and they take it seriously. That's why emoticons are a necessity, because you have to tell them by the emoticon what you mean, because the tone of your voice doesn't come through. I mean, just think of three words— I love you. How many ways can those three words be interpreted? I love you. I love you. <laughs> Opposite meanings, same three words, right? And, uh, and I think that we find that so often we miscommunicate because the message sent isn't the message received. And that can happen in so many ways. Those wires can be crossed. Another way is we have these unspoken expectations or we make assumptions, right? Right, one of the best things my mother ever learned or taught me was what happens when you assume. And uh, she, she did a little diagram and I'm not gonna go through that right now. But if you've heard that, you know what I mean. When we assume, we always get into trouble. We think that that person means something or we're expecting something. I'm expecting Saturday to be a day, uh, day off I want to go golfing with the guys. Saturday, it's time to work around the house, according to my wife. Another hypothetical, but, you know, <laughs> miscommunications or unmet expectations. I'm expecting to have fun. She's expecting to get work done around the house. Those unmet expectations or assumptions are going to lead to conflict. Um, but, uh, and, then, and then we just have our, we, our own internal issues. I mean, there's all the stuff inside of us that just comes out in relationships. If I'm in a bad mood... Sometimes it comes out in my relationships with others that I'm working with. I'm mad at myself, and i got to take it out on somebody else. Or, or maybe you've experienced that in your own life. And maybe sometimes what you're feeling from somebody else isn't really about you, but it just feels that it's coming at you, and there's something going on there. So we see why you know, conflict can be caused for so many reasons. The fact is it's pervasive. The fact is we can't avoid it. But here's another thing, you know what? Conflict doesn't have to be a bad thing. Conflict isn't necessarily a bad thing because conflict is a red flag that says, here's an opportunity to solve a problem. Here's a way for us to work through an issue. Here's a way for us to see things differently. And if we can work together, maybe as a team, we can make it better. And conflict doesn't have to be a bad thing. There's fair fighting and there's unfair fighting. When, when unfair fighting happens and you pull out the tactics and, and you bring up the past mistakes and you say you're just like your mother or your father or you've always been in this way or why can't you ever do this? And all of that, it, 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 it's unfair and it's going to lead to uh, destruction. You're throwing fuel on the fire. But there's a way to have a conflict where it's a healthy thing and it can be a very positive thing. And I want to talk about that for just a minute. But conflict is inevitable. Max Lucado once said conflict is inevitable. Combat is optional. Conflict is inevitable but combat is an option. You don't have to go to, to war over that. I want to show you a little graphic here and uh, let's put that up. I wish I had a pointer. Anybody have a, uh, 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 a laser pointer? Um, what you see here is two axis uh, the vertical axis on the left is the assertiveness scale. The, bottom, the horizontal axis on the bottom is the cooperativeness scale. And in this, what you see are different ways of dealing with conflict. And uh, on the bottom left, you see avoiding. Okay, That's the person who is neither assertive nor cooperative. This is the person that says, I'm just going to ignore it and hope that it goes away. And it doesn't necessarily go away. This is the avoider, okay? And this might be your style of dealing with conflict. I'm just going to brush it under the rug. I'm not going to deal with that. Uh, And, you know, there are some things that are problems to solve and some things that are just tensions to live with. And maybe sometime this is the right way to deal with something because it's just a tension we have to manage and it's not worth going to war over, not worth fighting about. It's a minor issue, but when you are an avoider, it's a lose-lose proposition because the problem still exists. You understand that? It's a lose-lose situation. Going across the bottom to the right, the next person is the accommodator. This is the person that says, let's just get it over with, I would rather let you have your way than keep fighting. So I'm going to give in and let you win. It's a lose-win situation. Uh, this is the compliant person who, who says, yeah, I, I, I can live without getting my way and I'm going to let them win. And you might be that kind of a person. Um, then, if you take the, the vertical axis to the top, you see the competing square there. That's the person that is highly assertive but low on cooperation. All right? This is the... This is the controller personality. They 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 um, they're having to prove that they are right. And the the problem isn't solved until you see it my way and you agree with me. And so I am going to make sure that I do everything to prove to you that I am right and that my way is the correct way and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get that correct. That's the controller. This is the competing type of a personality. And this is the person, what this is, this is a win-lose situation. So he wins or she wins, and the other person loses. Do you get that? So there's two people in this relationship. The bottom left avoider, it's a lose-lose. The problem's still there, both lose. If it's the accommodator, this is the highly cooperative person. I'm going to let you win. It's a lose-win situation. I'll lose, let you win. the uh, the controlling person, the competing person, it's I'm going to win and you're going to lose, right? And so it's a win-lose situation. Now, if this is a relationship, in each of these scenarios, the relationship loses something. So let's go up diagonally from avoiding up through the middle there. The compromising, that's I'm going to give in a little bit and I'm going to, I'm going to get a little bit and give a little bit. This is the negotiator, all right? That's when we're going to work through this. We're going to talk through it. We're going to say, okay, you want, you want Italian food. I want Mexican food. I'm right. You're wrong. We fight for a little bit, and then we we'll say, all right, let's do Italian this week if you agree to do Mexican the next week. You know what I mean? That's a little negotiator. So what this is, it's a win a little, lose a little scenario. Well, you see up at the far right there is the uh, the ideal. This is the collaborative style. This is, this is the team player, right? This is the person that's high in assertiveness, but also high in cooperativeness. And so the, the, accommod- or the uh, collaborator or the team player is the person that says, all right, we see things differently. Is there a third way? Is there another option? How can we do this? Let's work together. We're a team here. Let's not let this get in the way. We're going to look at this and see, well, what's different about us and why do we see things differently? So you're going to be able to be assertive and uh, and, and make your point of view, but you're also going to be cooperative and listen to another perspective, and you're going to work together as a team, side by side. So these different... Uh, everybody, uh, and there's a survey that you could take that you could answer a bunch of questions and find out which style you have. Because generally, we all sort of fall into one of those areas. And uh, in fact, it's great if you do that with a team at the workplace or even in your in your home. If you answer, do that survey and you find out. Well, this is my style. What are the strengths of that style, but what are the weaknesses of that style? It's good to know what other people's are. So if you have a person on your team that is an accommodator and uh, that person sits in meetings and never speaks up because they just don't want to have conflict, if you're the team leader, then you need to say, all right, everybody, let's hear from so-and-so. What do you think? And you've got to bring it out of that person. Let's work as a team here. Do you understand that? So, so there are different styles of conflict. It's unavoidable. It's pervasive. We're all going to have conflict. We're all going to have conflict. And so as we, as we wrap this up here this morning, I just want to ask you some things to uh, get yourself thinking about the conflicts that you might be having. In fact, in your, uh, in your, bull, in your uh, handout today, there are a bunch of questions. We're not going to go through all those right now, but I want you to take this home with you. Right? Take that home with you. Take it to work with you. Talk about it. And these are the kinds of questions that, that you might need to ask in order to say, you know, how can we work through this? So I think one of the first things that we can do, if you're writing down, let me just summarize it in four simple questions. First thing I think you need to do when you're having conflict is ask the question, what are we arguing about? For too long, we argue and we argue and then we realize we're not even arguing about the same thing because it gets, you know, below the surface. Our feelings are hurt. I'm in a bad mood. You know, if you say what the problem is, then nine times out of 10, if you, if you name the problem and if it's not you are the problem, that's not how you name the problem. The problem is, I, you know, we see things differently. That's the problem. You see it this way. I see it that way. It makes you feel like this when we go this way. It makes me feel like that when we go this way. Let's identify the problem without it being personal. Name it. Name the problem. But then what I think you need to do is think about yourself. Ask, work through those questions. How can I better understand the other person's point of view, how can I better be understood by expressing my point of view in a diplomatic, non-offensive way? Think about the other person. Put yourself in his or her shoes. Try to imagine what it is that they're seeing that you're not seeing or what they're feeling that you're not feeling. And then think about the relationship and ask yourself, is this worth breaking our relationship? Is this something that we need to have a necessary ending about? And if your relationship is more important, which it ought to be, then you figure out a way to work through that. Now, obviously, this is just a surface addressing of the basic issues of conflict. We're going to talk over the next several weeks about uh, as believers, conflicts we have with those outside. We're going to be talking about relationships in the home. And we're going to be talking about uh, all different kinds of dealing with relationships. So we're going to go a little bit deeper over the next several weeks in this. But I want to ask the question, what happened with Paul and Barnabas? Well, they went their separate ways. But later on in Paul's writings, we hear him refer to Barnabas in 1 Corinthians 9-6, as a fellow worker who shares his life and his labor. After they had their heated disagreement and they went their separate ways, they had some time to think about it. And they realized, Paul realized that Barnabas was far more of a help to him than a hindrance to him. That Barnabas was a mentor and a friend to him. And though they didn't work side by side from then on, their relationship was healed. In, in fact, in 2 Timothy, what's really interesting, Paul's last final letter when he's in prison waiting to be martyred, and he's all alone, and many people left him, he writes there, and uh, he's telling Timothy, his, his son in the faith, he says, Luke alone is with me. Luke was the one that wrote Acts and followed Paul around and worked, went with him whenever they had the split. And then he says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful in serving me. So even Paul had a change of thought about Mark. Who was Mark? Who did Mark end up? This, this, this young guy that wimped out on the first missionary journey. Well, he went back to Jerusalem and he started hanging around with Peter He became Peter's interpreter to the Gentiles. He became Peter's writer. Mark was the one who penned the gospel of Mark. This guy that failed in missions was a writer, he was an intellectual, he was an interpreter. And Mark is really Peter's gospel. Mark is Peter's message to the church through Mark's penmanship. So I find that very interesting, and even Paul, at the end of his life, said, I need Mark. I need him now. Well, not only that, because of their separation, the church grew because now you had two people going on mission fields separately than one mission team together. And I can't tell you how many churches started because of a conflict in the home church. I'm not promoting that. I am not wanting that, but that happens. And there's a conflict of leadership styles in a church. And one says, I wanna go one way, another wants another way, and they go their separate ways. And then there's two churches and the kingdom grows. So conflict isn't always a bad thing. I think, when we think about conflict, We've got to think about Jesus. Peter, writing in his epistle, of 1 Peter, he says, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. And when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate when he suffered. He made no threats. Instead, He entrusted himself who judges justly. Conflict, resolving conflict, means at times that you need to die to yourself, that you do need to accommodate. You do need to compromise. Sometimes you do need to even avoid it. But even in those senses, times when you're feeling the injustice of it all, you can say, you know what, now I know a little bit more what Jesus went through. And it was through his losing his life that the kingdom grew, that the church gained. And that doesn't mean that you don't fight, you're reaching that uh, that accommodating part or the um, uh, uh, um, collaborating, Uh, you need to get there. But sometimes it means you have to give up a little bit to win a little bit. The bottom line is this. Paul and Barnabas, their breakup wasn't forever. Their friendship wasn't ruined. In your marriage, you, if you haven't learned this by now, will have conflict. If you're not married yet, you're not going to marry a perfect person. You know why? Because they're not marrying a perfect person. In your workplace, you're not going to see eye to eye. You're going to have differences, and you're going to have conflicts. It's inevitable. But really, when it gets down to it, don't let today's conflicts ruin tomorrow's relationship. Have conflict. Keep it fair. Deal with it healthily. Realize it's normal. It's normal, it's a part of living with somebody else, or working with somebody else, or having another friend. You don't always have to have your way. Let others have their way sometimes. You don't have to stop having your own individual thoughts and perspective. But you do have to develop the art of sometimes agreeing to disagree. Because there's no room for hatred. There's no room for jealousy. There's no room for discord or disunity in the family of God. These are not the marks of Christ's followers. So don't lose respect with the other person. And then maybe one simple last thought. When you're having conflict, there's friction. Friction makes smoke, right? Where there's smoke, there's fire. When there's a fire, you have an option of carrying one of two buckets to the fire. And you need to ask yourself, when there's friction, which bucket am I bringing to this fire? Am I bringing fuel and throwing it on? Or am I bringing water to douse that? And so when you feel that friction, see that conflict, ask yourself, what bucket am I going to bring to this? Can I bring a bucket of water? Work with this person. Work through it and make it better. Turn it into something good. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I wonder, what would others say of you when you've had conflict? Would they say that you've handled it maturely? Would they say that you've handled it respectfully? Or will they say, you know, that person, I, 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 can't, I can't work with that person. I can't live with that person because we can't fight... Fairly, We can't work through our conflict. Ask myself, ask yourself, what am I blind to seeing here? What am I missing in this conflict? So let's bow our heads together. Let's pray. Lord, you didn't come to this world because it was perfect. You came because it's fallen and we are all fallen. You came because we, we just can't get along. That's not an excuse, however. Help us, Jesus. Help us to learn how to clearly communicate with other people. Forgive us for the assumptions that we make. Forgive us for our pride and our arrogance and our selfishness and 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 our and lack of concern and respect for the others that we're in conflict with, for the insults and the complaints and all the ways that we we hurt rather than heal the relationship by the way we have conflict with others. So God, grant us the ability to see other people's viewpoints. Help us to treat others with kindness and humility and gentleness and love and respect. Help us to do everything we can to do as the scripture says, maintain unity through the bond of peace. And we need your help to do that, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.